Welcome to the World Harvest Church podcast channel. We hope you enjoyed this message. How many of you say I called on that name? And that name is mine. It belongs to me. It's that name that goes above every symptom. It's that name. If you've come in here this morning, there is a name above every circumstance that you're facing. It's the name. Not only is that name above, it puts you above. You have to see yourself seated with that name. I am seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named. It doesn't matter what the world names you. It doesn't matter what the doctor names you. It doesn't matter what your mind tries to name you, what the devil tries to name you, what your family tries to name you. It doesn't matter the name that you have been given by anybody else other than the name that God gave you. That's his child. That's his belonging to him. Seated with the name of Jesus. You understand when you call on that name, you're calling on your seat of authority. When I call on the name of Jesus, I am calling on my place of authority in this earth. Ruling and reigning in Christ Jesus. What is that? Ruling and reigning with the name. Amen. We don't have to get nervous at any name that comes across the news, any name that social media puts up, any name that's trying to take over the world, that's trying to control the finances. No name will ever be able to outdo, outshine, and outperform the name of Jesus. No one outperforms the name of Jesus. No doctor outperforms the name of Jesus. No medication can outperform the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you for that name. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. mommy 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 what happens that name gets tired and you want to do less and less <laughs> that name never gets tired 
never can exhaust the name of Jesus. The inexhaustible name with inexhaustible power. In fact, the more you call it, the more it works. The more you call it, the more power flows. The more you call it, the more alive it becomes. Amen, hallelujah. Well, if you're in here this morning, you've come and you've got pain in your body, symptoms in your body. I wanna minister to you this morning as the choir steps to the side. I just want, is there anyone in here? You say, I want hands laid on me for healing. I've come with symptoms, with pain, with a report. Because in here, we don't, we don't believe any report greater than the report that the word of God says that by his stripes, you have been made whole made completely whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Come up here if that's you and you say, I want hands laid on me. It's not the hands that do the healing, not these hands, but the hand of God through that healing anointing going into your body. And it must drive out pain and symptoms. The way I see it, when I minister that healing anointing to you, that anointing goes into your body and it begins to drive out and remove what's in there that should not be in there. Replace it. See, that healing power has replaced that pain. That healing power has replaced uh, whatever it is, whatever virus, bacteria, deterioration. Not only does it replace, it fills in, makes whole, binds, mends, restores, and repairs. Amen. Father, I thank you that when I lay my hands on these, that healing anointing goes into their body. And they shall be whole, healed in Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name. Healed. In Jesus' name, 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 healed. In Jesus' name. Healed. In Jesus' name, healed. In Jesus' name, healed. In there it goes. In Jesus' name, healed. In Jesus' name, healed. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you. When this cloth is laid on that sick one, it'll drive out pain, symptoms, sickness, and disease. And I thank you, Father. They shall be whole. In Jesus' name, healed. In Jesus' name, healed. In Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name, healed in Jesus' name, healed. Thank you, Jesus. Healed in Jesus' name. I will, Father, I thank you. When that fault is laid on the sick one, it'll drive out pain, symptoms, sickness, and disease. And if there's a presence of the evil spirit, it must leave in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That anointing, that healing anointing, it's real. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. If you only believed in what you saw, then salvation, you wouldn't be saved. If you're struggling to believe that you're healed because you don't see any change, then you might as well struggle with believe you're going to heaven because you haven't seen it.
You've never seen a manifestation of, you've never seen. We don't, we're not moved by what we see and what we don't see, by what we feel and what we don't feel. I've never felt heaven. I've never seen heaven. I've never even heard heaven. But I know that that's my, my home, that's my eternal location, right? Well, so is healing. It's your eternal promise. It's your heavenly right to have on this earth. So don't leave here today saying, well, I didn't feel anything. It doesn't seem like anything has changed. Well, I tell you, heaven hasn't changed. Jesus didn't change. The cross didn't change. Therefore, healing hasn't changed. Amen. Turn to somebody before your seat and say, it's so good to be healed. Hallelujah. We want to remind you the book of the month for this month is I Have a Supply. Pastor Nancy's um, taken this. It's a reprint. She has added to it and uh, fixed it up. Not that it needed to be fixing, but you know what I mean? Just made it better. So we're reading this together as a congregation. Uh, and then, oh yes, we have Amazon Kindle. You can, if you, that's your gig, you can do an ebook on Amazon Kindle and then you can get it or you can get it at the bookstore. Uh, I like a physical book. My books all have notes in them. The, the spaces get filled in with sermons on the side. Usually that's how sermons come. I'll be reading and then one thing will come and then before you know it, I've written around the whole, the whole deal and then there's my sermon. So uh, I like to be able to write in them. Um, turn with me if you would. I think I would like to start, uh, let's see here. Go to John chapter nine. You know, I, um, around here, I mean, I, I'm, how do I say this? Um, I don't really preach, nor does Pastor Nancy and preach and teach a lot on the book of Revelation and the end times, okay? Y'all know that. Maybe why you're here. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm not gonna get up here and act like I know anything that's really in depth that's going on. But what I would like to tell you is what I do know. Uh, you know, yesterday they had attacks on Israel Whatever that means, okay. I'm just saying whatever that means. But what it doesn't have to do with with us is that we're still preaching healing, salvation. God is good. He is faithful. He's a wonderful father, okay? But just know this, that there is what we do believe in, is there is coming a move of God a catching away of the church that is gonna be so glorious, the world has never seen anything like it. And there is coming a wave and a move of the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God. This is our part, right? Okay, yes, does Israel and other nations have their part? Sure. But I'm telling you right here, we're focused on our part, all right? So, the biggest thing that I want to give to you today, and this isn't my message, but the Spirit of God, I say, God, I, you know, I'm sure people all over there, you know, it's right to pray for Israel, it's right to bless Israel. Um, 
we're supposed to be going in a little over a month. I don't know if we will or not. Uh, there's a church there. There is believers in Israel that were expecting us to come and, and minister to them, Pastor Nancy to come and minister to them. Um, but I want you to know that, let me write, let me say this how the Spirit of God said it. We shouldn't be nervous or unsettled as we begin to see man's system fall and fail. I say, God, what do, you know, what do I say? You know, I didn't have to say anything. But he said to me, we shouldn't be nervous when we see man's systems fall and fail. Whatever that is. You know, every nation has a financial system. What about military systems? Those can fall and fail. <laughs> that can change one year to another. Uh, Rulers of nations can change. That's man's systems. The church should not get nervous if man's systems begin to shift and fail and fall and, and things, there's movement within man's system. Don't get distracted by the movement in man's systems. Be it politics, uh, finance. Uh, what did we see with COVID? A shift in man's systems. What did we do? We didn't get nervous. We didn't change what we were talking about. We didn't change the direction that we were going. We can't afford that. Mankind can't afford for us, the church, to change its direction just because they are. Their unsettlement is not our unsettlement. I don't get... Uh, I don't get panicked. That's why you have to be careful at what you watch, how much you watch. That's a, that's a feeding system. You understand? Your TV is a feeding system. See it that way. How much of that feeding system? Social media, a feeding system. We're using it, that feeding system, for the benefit of the body, right? We're taking it, we should. We should not lag behind uh, the rest, we should be at the cutting edge. Dr. Friend always believed that we should be at the cutting edge. Pastor Nancy, the cutting edge, whatever's coming out, whatever uh, ability, and really it all, a lot of that stems from Brother Copeland when God said to him, go on every available voice. What is that? Taking uh, man's systems and using them for the kingdom. But recognize it, that is a feeding, a source of feeding. And if you feed too much at the wrong trough, you'll end up sick with whatever's in it. Know what trough you got your nose in. Right? Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. So again, I'm not going to give you some prophecy or... Revelations 5, 21, whatever. I mean, I, I don't have anything to give you. Um, that's above my pay grade, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like. Uh, but also know this. There will be people in the church with, that offer some kind of interpretation. Be careful of that too. All right? Just know our assignment. Right? Uh, we, my husband and I continue to talk about we stay in our lane. We stay in our lane. Our lives got helped because we stay, somebody stayed in their lane. You know what I mean? Somebody kept feeding on healing, 
finances, restoration, marriage, family, uh, the blood. We're going to just stay in our lane. Now, again, like I said, it, it doesn't mean you can't pray, make power available. Uh, bless, bless him because I, I know that there was that, that pastor there. And God said to Pastor Nancy, go help the voice of Israel. And she was like, the voice of Israel, you know, we've never had anything to do with Israel. Come to find out the pastor's name is Israel. So there is, uh, there was a declaration by the Spirit of God to Pastor Nancy to go help that pastor. Um, so we can be praying for them, praying for their congregation, praying for leadership. We should always be praying for leadership. But you don't pray, pray out of panic. I'm not praying because we're nervous. <laughs> Amen? So we shouldn't be nervous or unsettled as we begin to see man's system fall and fail. And then I want to, the, the way he showed it to me, he, showed, he said that second, but what he said to me first is, how will my system rise and be glorified if man's systems aren't laid aside? And then he said that statement to me. I said, oh, I never thought of it that way. How will God's system and his way of doing uh, and operating be glorified if man's is not shown to be a failure? Does that make sense? I'm not saying the world's gonna completely fall apart. I'm just saying, how does God uh, be glorified at the, the greatest we'll ever see him glorified? Other than at the time of the crucifixion, how will we ever see him, Christ, come again and him be magnified in all of his glory the way the world has never seen? What about healings and miracles and signs and wonders that belong to us? The great revelation that belongs to this era, how will that ever rise up if some things don't fall by the wayside? You know, and fail and show that they fail, right? Again, you look at just the last four years and uh, with the way man tried to handle a pandemic, whatever, I'm not gonna get into all the, you know, the, the opinions on that. But I would have to say that I don't think the world handled that very well. I don't think things were handled very well. Why? Because in their own mind and in their own system, they could only go so far. They could only do so much. Amen. So we'll leave that there. Uh, John chapter 9. This is the story of Jesus healing the blind man who was born blind. He tells him, I'm not gonna read the whole passage, but he tells him to go wash in the pool after he made clay, put it on the man's eyes. Um, look with me if you would, because some people weren't happy about this. They weren't happy at how this transpired. They weren't happy. They uh, proceeded to shove the blind man who showed back up seeing out of the synagogue and he says here in verse, um, let's see, verse 18, however, the Jews did not believe that he had really been blind and that he had received his sight until they called, summoned the parents of the man. They asked him, is this your son whom you reported as having been born blind? How then does he, he see now? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but as to how he can see now, we do not know. 
or who has opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. Let him speak for himself and give his own account of it. His parents said this because they feared the leaders of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should acknowledge Jesus to be the Christ, he should be expelled and excluded from the synagogue. On that account, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So the second time they summoned the man who had been born blind and said to him, now give God the glory, praise. This fellow we know is only a sinner, a wicked person. Then he answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner and wicked or not. But one thing I do know, that whereas I was blind before, what does it say? Now I see. So they said to him, what did he actually do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Can it be that you wish to become his disciples also? I mean, <laughs> don't practice that in your marriage. <laughs> you know, that sort of attitude. But they're questioning his miracle. Uh, or we could say is they're questioning the source of his miracle. And this man wasn't having it because, see, they were not physically blind from the time they were born. <laughs> they didn't know what he had been through. They were okay with him sitting and begging. They didn't want that to change. They didn't want him um, leaving his place. This was the whole issue that Jesus came that we may have life, but what does life bring? Life brings change. You can, how many of you were here this week and you heard Pastor Debbie Simon's sermon? What happened? She said, I, we got a hold of life, but we weren't changing. Why? Life brings change. What they had was a system of rules and do's and don'ts, and it brought change to no one. And the moment somebody within that sphere of that system, where had he been? He had been begging around the synagogue. He had been begging every day, and they were fine with that because it appeased their conscience to give to this beggar man a little bit of money, and they didn't want that to change. So we see right out the gate that religion doesn't want change. We must not come to a place where we're so comfortable with where we're at. We're not willing to stretch beyond the bounds of religion and be okay with change. They didn't want him to change. They didn't want their system to change. They didn't want their view to change. But he got a little bit perturbed and upset because his change and his miracle was going to change forever the rest of his life. Why? Because it meant he could get married. He could have children. He could have a family. He could now have a job. He was not a victim. What will change in your life do? It'll take you from being a victim to being a victor. Any change you make from God always brings you into more victory. I'm going to say that again. Any change you make for God always brings you into more. Any change you'll be willing to stretch out in faith and lay, lay hold of. Change doesn't come automatically. Change won't come to you in the middle of the night. 
just because you go to this church, just because you believe, because you believe in Jesus, because you believe the word. Change comes because we go after it and we lay hold of it. And this morning, I wanna talk about these things. I wanna talk about the vision that brings change. He said, all I know is I was blind and now I see. That's all I can tell you. Is there anything else you wanna know or are you asking me because you wanna believe in him too? What he was getting, there was revelation behind what he said. There was absolute, that was a prophetic statement that he gave back to them. I was once blind, but now I see. This is exactly what Jesus had come to do, to make the blind be able to see, not just the physically blind, but the spiritually blind. And once you receive Jesus, once he comes into your heart, there is things you'll see, not only about him, but about yourself, right? About your future, about the kingdom of God, about eternity that you never could see before. But I don't want to stop at just the small vision, the small view that I have at salvation. God has intended for us to have an ever-expanding view of his kingdom. Don't stop with what you've already seen him do in your life, and that's all you see. Keep going. This is demonstrated and really uh, shown in what happened with the children of Israel. They didn't just stop once they saw the walls of Jericho fall. They didn't stop there. They kept going and progressing and taking more land and, and creating a broader vision until now, you know, till the end of it, they had taken all the land that God had provided for them. So don't stop at, well, I, one time I realized I could see the goodness of God. How is that goodness continuing to play out in your life? It's not automatic. Amen? Okay. So faith is simply, this is faith. We, our word for the year is uh, regarding faith, flourishing faith. Faith is simply choosing God's view and opinion on a matter. Faith is simply choosing God's view and, an, and his opinion on the matter. Faith is simply choosing God's view and opinion. That's why uh, when a circumstance comes, could be financial, physical, within your family, within a, uh, your job, right? Something comes up that wasn't there before. Before we even speak, let's find out what's God's opinion in his view. Don't form your own view and your own opinion through your own natural words. And this is oftentimes what we do. We start talking before we've ever meditated. We start talking about not to, we start talking about before we ever talk to him. Um, go with me, if you would, to James. Go with me to James. He said, I, this man said, I cannot tell you. Of course, as you're turning to James, they began to get verbally angry at him verbally aggressive with him. And then that's when they decided to take Jesus and begin to throw rocks. Just know that as you begin to testify of the word, testify of what God is doing, testify of God's opinion, the thoughts to your mind will begin to get more and more aggressive. Don't be discouraged by that. 
Don't be deterred because it feels like constant rocks, constant aggressive thoughts are coming at you. This is what they did to this man. The more he testified, the more angry and aggressive the, we could say, the enemy or those that were opposing what Jesus was doing. The devil will always pose what Jesus is doing in your life. He'll always oppose the vision that that comes to you. He'll always oppose, as you begin to grow in the things of God, there's always gonna be opposition and it's going to feel as aggressive as those words and the the stones that were being thrown at Jesus, at this man, that's gonna feel that aggressive sometimes. What are you doing? Why are you saying that? You know you don't see that. How do you believe that? How are you sure that's gonna come to pass? How do you know? How can you prove Are you sure that's God? Do you know, really? Have you ever seen his power work in that way? You're never gonna have that. You're never gonna feel any different. You're never gonna walk out any different. Your life's never gonna look any different. Part of the fight of faith is taking God's words and talking louder than the ones that are coming to you. So what is a fight? It's not a physical fight. It's a fight of the vision that God has for your life coming through your your mouth, through your words, and you fighting his words with yours. Let God's word do the fighting. If you're not speaking his word, it's not fighting. It's not doing the work. The power in the word of God is not working for you when we're not releasing it. So look here in James chapter three. If we set, verse three, if we set bits in horses' mouths to make them obey us, we can turn their whole bodies about. Likewise, look at the ships. Though they are so great and are driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines, even so the tongue is a little member. It can boast of great things. See how much wood or how great a forest a tiny spark can set ablaze? And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body and setting on fire the wheel of birth, the cycle of man's nature, being itself ignited by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea animal can be tamed and has been tamed by human genius. I wanna read to you what this word, I looked up what this word tamed means And then I looked up again to tame. It's saying that the tongue cannot be tamed, even animals, that man's mind can tame an animal, right? We've we've seen it. They've tamed everything from raccoons to snakes, whatever. You know, you can tame, you can train uh, through... Just being with an animal, they've learned their behavior. They learned how they, what they go after. They learn what they want. They learn what makes them, you know, get up and and what makes them settle down. What makes them calm down. I mean, I just saw a video of the, the other day. A guy he puts his turtle in a refrigerator for like six months because it simulates winter and then it slows down. It's like a turtle or a tortoise. They put it in the fridge and then they have like a, a fake winter. Right? You've taken that animal and you've tamed it. It lives in your house and you've created an unnatural environment. So the word tame means brought from wildness into domestic or tractable state. It says the tongue cannot be brought from wildness. Can't have that. Naturally unafraid, 
not timid, submissive. So the tongue can never be made submissive. But I looked up this word, tactable. I said, well, what is that? Or tractable, tractable. Tractable means easily managed or controlled. So it's saying the tongue is not easily managed or controlled. Easily handled or worked, capable of easily being led, taught, or managed, docile. The tongue of man is not docile. If we don't realize that about our own selves, we'll destroy everything around us and withhold from us everything that God has provided for us. Your tongue, your lips, your mouth, it's saying here, is not easily managed. It's never gonna be docile. It's that, well, I'm just a passive person. What happens when the enemy starts getting aggressive with your body? How passive are you gonna be? So James is saying, wait a second. This tongue is not easily managed. Well, you say, well, how are we supposed to, to take care of that? How are we supposed to manage? Because Jesus said, whoever says to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. That sounds to me like a pretty man, well-managed tongue, right? But, the, but James is over here saying, your tongue can't be managed. Your tongue is out of control. So what must we do? We have to control, tame, and manage the mind if we're gonna control the tongue. He's saying on its own, it will never do for you what you need it to do for you. Faith is released through word and action. It's by faith that we agree with God, that we receive from God. Faith is the universal language of God. If I'm gonna ever receive, if you're gonna ever receive those things that you're believing for, it will only come through faith. Not through hope, not through wishing, not through serving. As wonderful as serving is, as wonderful as, as being in a local church is, God is not providing for you through acts of service. It's through acts of faith. Now, do you release your faith in serving? Yes, you do. Do you release your faith as you're going throughout your day and and serving God and living for him? Yes, you do. But faith is released through word and through action. Your mouth is never gonna just be tamed because you're born again. That's why people who are born again and even love God get divorced. Why? Because they never learn to manage their words. They never learned to take their words and they never really learned to take their thoughts and have word thoughts and God's thoughts regarding their spouse. I love the testimony of my pastors and you've heard Pastor Angela. Some of you who are new, you may not have heard her testimony. When she gave her testimony and said, look, we, we, we got pregnant. We were in high school. We don't know if we were the will of God. She tells the Bible school students, we don't know. There was no such animal as, yeah, oh, this person, it's back in the day, you get pregnant, you get married, right? This is, for them, that's the will of God. At the, when you say I do, game on. You know? So I say, once you get married, we're in it to win it. We're gonna see this thing through. We're gonna, we are, the word of God is your answer. And that's what she said. They were backslid for a time, not living for God, they had enough sense, she had to raise the, the, she says she had to raise herself, she had to raise the baby, she had to raise Pastor Anderson, she had a lot of raising to do. 
But she said when they got a hold of the word of God and they were both willing to do the word. 42 years later of pastoring and now stepping into a traveling ministry. That's what the word can do. It can take what would look like something that's not part of the vision and the plan of God for their life. Amen. This is what the tongue can do. When you start renewing your mind, you've got something to say that'll turn your life around. When you start renewing your mind, you will have something to say that will turn your life and your situation around. That's what James said. The tongue is the rudder. It's so small. But if you'll fill this rudder with the word of God, you'll change your view. You will turn that ship around. You will turn the direction you're headed, turn it around and get another viewpoint from the word of God. Don't ever take man's view and say, well, that just what's, that's what I have to look at. That's what Jesus did for this blind man that was sitting by the wayside when he said, I change of you. He said, I don't know what you're gonna say about Jesus, what you're gonna say about this Messiah. He later went to him and said, I believe. Why? Because he had changed his view. If you're struggling today, the struggle isn't with God. The struggle is with our view. We struggle because we don't see what he sees. If you saw what he saw, you wouldn't doubt anything that he has for you. Wouldn't doubt. Look here in James. He says, likewise, look at the ships. Though they are so great and driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. (laughs) However big the situation in your life is today, if you will take the word of God and start talking the word, Whatever has tossed you around, whatever has pushed you around, whatever has been blowing in your ear, whatever has been talking to your mind, whatever has been coming against you, it's saying that the word of God in your mouth, your tongue can completely shift and direct your life regardless of the winds that blow. Regardless of the circumstance is what it's saying. Regardless of how long you've heard it, how long you've been there, how long the ship has been sailing in a particular direction, if you will take the word that your mouth is strong enough to turn that thing around. What happens when you start? It's saying it shifts the rudder. It takes, and if that person decides to turn it. It says here, the helmsman If you don't have that underline, underline it. The helmsman determines. Who's the helmsman? You are. The the helmsman determines and decides. Well, I thought, God, you know, Jesus, you're, um, the Holy Ghost is my helper and he leads me and guides me. Yes, he does, but he doesn't make decisions for you. At some point, you're gonna have to decide, I'm done with this. I'm done with this situation. I'm done thinking like this. I'm done seeing it this way. I'm done living like this. It says the helmsman determines. Well, I thought God decided all things for my life. No, he does not. You do. You do. You're tired being with where you're at financially. Then you decide and make it a, a, a dedication of your words to turn that ship around. Y'all are awfully quiet. Mm. 
I'm going to come back from this meeting and I'm going to teach on responding. Because there's a failure. Anyway, maybe it's me. It's just very quiet. Oh, you're writing. Okay, okay. You're writing. I want, it's good practice in here because it's going to be better for out there. You know, I have been there where, my gosh, you wake up in the middle of the night and, well, I don't think I woke up naturally, but the situation woke me up. Have you ever been there? (laughs) And, or you wake up in the morning and, um, (laughs) and you instantly feel anxious. It's probably just me. (laughs) You wake up in the morning, you're like, oh God, (laughs) like you forgot Uh, To lock the door of your house, you know? It's that panicked feeling of, did I close the garage door? And you wake up with that, you know, right? (laughs) The key to that is, I'm not letting, I'm not letting that wind direct my life. What is that? A wind of thought. And you can either put your feet out on, on the ground and start moving in that direction and letting that wind push you further into fear and anxiety, or you can get up and say, "Mm -mm, you're not turning my ship. (laughs) Right here, this turns my ship. Father, I give you glory, I give you praise, I magnify you, I glorify you. And you begin to speak the word. Well, you say, but how, I'm gonna get ahead of myself. A man's vision will determine his destination. Man's vision will determine his destination. Um, But your words, now hear me out. A man's vision determines his destination, but your words determine your vision. Your words determine your vision. I have been there where I couldn't see where God had for me to go. I, I knew, you know, when we were faced with such a season with our home, and again, God brought us to that place. We knew it. Yeah. We knew he had brought us there. We didn't, just, we wouldn't have picked that for ourselves. <laughs> you know something? And we didn't have to stay there either. We could have gotten out from underneath that. But we chose because there was a place in God that he was wanting to bring us, and we chose to go through that. That was a choice. But with that, I remember telling God, I know that you have something else for me to look at, but I can't see it. It's too, you know, the wind is blowing too hard. The waves are too big. I cannot see uh, the destination. You know, and maybe it's, it, it's, that was, again, part of that process. I had to, and I realized one day it was determined by what I would get up and say every day that would help the vision. What you have a vision of, I'm talking about spiritually by faith. By faith. We're talking about vision by faith, not what you, not what you have in front of you. By faith. Paul and Silas had the vision of being out of jail. That's why they prayed and sang praises. It wasn't, they weren't praying, praying and singing praises because they had a vision of going to heaven. A vision of death. 
They had a vision of getting out of there. So they magnified the very power that was gonna break all those chains off, right? Um, I said, God, I can't see it. I can't see it. I know there's a place of prosperity and there's a place and a flow of provision that you have for me and my family and a flow that we're to be to, the, to this body, to this church. There is a place in you that we want to get to that has such a flow, I, I can't, but I can't see it. Have you ever been there? I know there's healing, but I've had the symptoms for so long. I can't see it. If you can't see it, start speaking it. Your words will paint the vision in front of you. Your words will write the vision on your heart. Your words, what does it do? When a ship is directed by the rudder, it changes the direction that it's looking, right? Go with me to Jude, because there's a second part of this. Jude. Look at this, Jude, verse 20. But ye beloved, building your, up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy, holy Ghost, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying and building yourselves, what is it, up, up, up. What happens when you go up? Your vision changes, your view changes. So if you haven't put the word in your mouth to change the direction, now you can also pray in the Holy Ghost to build yourself up and you have a whole nother view. God has equipped us with ways to change our view. This is what Jesus said to that blind man. This is what he did for the blind man. He changed his vision. But what did he have? He had to do something. He had to go wash. He had to let Jesus work something on him. Spit in the ground and wipe it on his eye. This is what happened for my husband and I. It wasn't comfortable what we went through. It wasn't how we would have chose. I don't think that man would have chosen spit in his eye as his wonderful testimony of healing. Of course, now we'd be like, oh, Jesus, you could spit in my eye, whatever you want to do to bring about my miracle. Well, he didn't know him like that. They didn't know Jesus like that. They, they, he wasn't looking. He's sitting there begging as he does every day, and Jesus comes along and, and makes mud Takes it. I'm sure this man, as my husband says, you got to visualize it. He's sitting there blind, listening to Jesus spit in the dirt. And he's probably going. Can someone tell me what's going on? (laughs) Right? (laughs) There's no Braille to explain that, you know. He had to sit there listening to this, at, at this point, this, just this man, just this, he's just a man, spitting on the ground, wiping in his eye, then tells him to get up and go find the pool, make his way. 
Your vision even changes with obedience. It'll change with obedience. It'll change with obedience. Jesus said, I only, I only say what my, I hear my father say and I only do what I, I see my father do. How did he get that from the Holy Ghost? That man's vision was changed because of the Holy Ghost. So three ways we change our vision. Number one is through the words, redirecting, beginning to speak the word of God. Number two, praying in the Holy Ghost. What does that do? We rise higher and higher above what is uh, impairing our vision, what's hindering what we can see. I remember I would say to God, I can't see the other side of this. I can't see the others. I know there's another side. I never said, God, there's not another side. We're never gonna, this is never, I knew better than to say that. If there was one thing I knew, it was don't say the wrong thing. I mean, even there. I just know not to say the wrong thing. I don't even know what to say, but I just know don't say the wrong thing. Goes back to, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Sometimes we got to remind ourselves of that. We can't say anything nice. Don't say anything at all. But at some point, you're going to have to say something. You're going to have to say something. I wonder what would have happened to the blind man if the pressure came from the leaders and he began to be afraid of them. What do you think would have happened to his eyesight? I mean, I, I, not a thus saith the Lord, but I have to wonder if he would have let fear and pressure push him yeah. back yeah. onto that curb of sickness. So once you start seeing progress, remember what I said earlier, the winds are going to blow a little harder. They're going to come. The word is going to be challenged. It's going to try to take, he's going to try to take and keep pushing that ship back in the direction it was going. So number one, changing your words, start speaking the word of God. It'll change the viewpoint. Remember our vision determines our destination. I've got somewhere to go in God. How many of you say I've got somewhere to go in God? I have somewhere to go. Complacency is not an option. Being lukewarm is not an option. We don't have time to go to, to those scriptures. It's not an option. Number two, praying in the spirit, building yourself up, up, up. As you build yourself up, you're going to start seeing things totally different. You're going to start seeing yourself above the head, not behind, not the tail, the word and the spirit working together as you start speaking the word and then taking time to pray in the Holy Ghost, it strengthens the word that's on the inside of you. And then number three, obedience. Obedience. He had to obey. He had to obey to receive and to be able to see. Um. What you see in the word of God, listen, what you see in the word of God is, is should be what you're saying. Should be what you're saying. But what you can see will be formed by what you say. So if your eyes are never on the word of God, you have nothing to say. But if you keep your eyes on the word and start speaking, you'll start seeing what's in the living word come to pass in life. If I asked you, remember doctor, 
And he'd say, how many of you believe? Remember that? How many of you believe you're sitting in a chair? And and we all knew, don't ever raise your hand for anything. No matter how much he pressured and pushed. Yeah, we just go, yes, (laughs) you know. And you, you know, you just kind of, and then we'd all look at Pastor Nancy and be like, what is she doing, you know? <laughs> she was usually just sitting there writing. But if I asked you, do you believe there are lights hanging, right? Lights, the screens, you believe? We could say, yes, we, we believe that, we know that. And we'd say, how many of you believe you're sitting in a chair? Well, that's not believing because, you know, believing. He, would, he was always bringing out a great point with that. Um, the immediate response would be, yes, I believe the screens are hanging, the lights are up, the carpet is laid. Why? Because we see it. Isn't, wasn't that always our immediate response? Because we, we can see ourselves sitting in a chair. We can feel ourselves sitting in a chair. We can see uh, the screens are hanging and the lights are hanging and we can feel the air conditioning. We believe it because we see it. That's the point he was making. But I also want you to know, if you can see it, if you can redirect with your words, if you can rise above, if you can obey, if you can see it, what happens? You believe it. I'm talking about with the vision. In your heart, what you see is where you'll go. Stop trying to get there without seeing it in here first. So in the same way, you say, yeah, I can see lights, I can see the screens, I can see everything, and I do believe they're hanging. I, in fact, I know they're hanging. I know they're in this room. You can have such vision in God that nobody can ever talk you out of. Do you believe that, that, that that's yours? Do you believe that that's where you're going? Do you believe that that's how your, your body has been created to function? Do you believe that... What the word of God says, it's so clear on the inside of you, you can see it. I can see every need met. I can see every bill paid. I can see the victory. I can see myself doing things I couldn't do before. I can see that. This is what talking the word, praying in the spirit, and obeying God does for you. It makes clear the vision that he has for you. Your vision determines your destination, but your words determine your vision. Start talking in line with the vision that God has for you. Not not what's around you, but what should be in you. Start talking what you should be putting inside of you. My God, not only does he supply all my needs, but all the desires of my heart, all the things that he has for me, they come to pass. His word is alive unto me. He's given to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of my understanding are being enlightened. What is that? My vision is being enlightened. God, enlighten my vision. He dealt with us through Paul that our vision is most important. That we see who we are, what we have, and what we can do. Why? Because that determines where we go. James said, the runner, the rudder is going to change. Your words are going to change your direction. Um, we'll stop there. I want you to make sure for your life, 
Yes, this congregation, collectively, we have a vision of where we're going and what we're wanting to do, but don't neglect the, own, your, the vision for your own life. Don't neglect what God has. It is not holy and more righteous for you to set aside and see yourself as less than. Well, I'll just believe and I'll just do, uh, you know, and, and be part of the vision that God has for this church. Yes, you are. But God has a vision for your own life. He's got things for your own life. And how far you go in that will help and determine how far we can go. God's not asking for healing to be manifest in this place and you live sick. That you believe for somebody else and you yourself are struggling. That's not God's vision. Um, I will close with this story. My dad, I'd given the testimony of my dad uh, and he had jumped out of his truck backwards. He's quite fit, but he ended up hurting his back and his truck is lifted and he ended up hurting his back and he had really had severe back pain for quite some time before I even found out about it. And uh, I said, I felt prompted by the Holy Ghost to call him one day. And I said, Dad, I mean, it's just, I woke up and I knew the Holy Spirit Holy Ghost said, call him. And I knew he, at this point, it had gotten more severe and he was going, going to be going in for like major testing because it wasn't getting better. They had given him steroids, given all this. And I, I said, dad, you know, called him and, and we had a good, good conversation. And I said, dad, you know, you're, it didn't matter that you caused that. He was struggling because all he could see, oh, replaying is I caused that issue. I, you know what I mean? I caused that problem. I shouldn't have done that. As pastor says, don't let the replay of the mind have its way for your future. Let it be in the past. Say, dad, you don't have to live with that. Just because you, yes, maybe you shouldn't have, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Who cares? God's healing power doesn't work just because we did everything right. In fact, it was our sickness that brought about healing power. Stop, stop saying, oh, I don't, I, I don't know if I qualify. I don't know if I can. It was your sickness that sent him to the cross to, the begin, with, to begin with. So I said, Dad, I'm going to send you a prayer cloth. We're in the studio today. Pastor Nancy's going to lay hands on this prayer cloth, and I'm going to send you this prayer cloth. And you're going to put it on your back. You're going to put it somewhere in your body. Lay on it, whatever. And when that power, she's got an endowment for bones and joints. And I said, whatever's going on there, I don't care that they don't know. They had already been in for dad. I don't care they don't know. You can put that cloth and I'm gonna agree with you. Can you agree with me? Yes. He had not even gone down to have hands laid on him uh, there at the church. I said, I'm gonna give this to you. So when I sent it to him, he put it and he never took it off. And it was within, he said the very day he could sense that power start working, but he sensed it because he said that pain began to subside. Never went back, never had another test, completely healed. Completely healed, right? So fast forward and... And I'm just, this is just an example for you so you understand how to grab a hold of the vision and seeing, seeing yourself, your circumstance, and everything around you the way God sees you. Yes. Their dog gets sick. 
and he's like got a terminal illness. And my parents have spent more money on the medical bills for this dog than they've ever spent. I mean, my mom said this, and, and me and my sister combined. I'm talking about medically. We were very healthy. Um, this dog, bless him. <clears throat> he was it. They found him. He's a great dog, so sweet. His name's Buddy. Um, but Buddy has been high maintenance. Buddy's a purebred, so Buddy was high maintenance. And, um, and so Buddy begins to develop very serious issues, and Buddy is like on death's door. This is, you know, recently, Buddy's on death's door. So my dad, we're talking about vision, what you can see, what you know, what you believe belongs to you. My dad went from struggling to receiving for himself to taking that prayer cloth and putting it now in Buddy's bed. <laughs> Why? I once was blind, but now I see. And what happened to Buddy? Buddy has been raised from the dead twice now. <laughs> By the anointing and the prayer cloth. Why? Because he can see it. He can see it. It's real. He sees that anointing going from that cloth into Buddy's body. What is that? Proper vision. Scriptural, biblical, God-ordained vision. It matters what you see in here. What is vision? It's simply God's belief system. It's his belief system for you. You can change the belief system by what you say, what you pray, and what you obey. What you say, what you pray, and what you obey. It dictates your belief system. Amen? So if you're in here, you can change that vision today. You can change that belief system today by what you say, what you pray, and what you obey. Praying in the Spirit, building yourself up, speaking the Word of God, the rudder, moving yourself in a different direction, and obeying what God tells you to do. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it has directed us. It's a lamp to our feet. It's the light. It showed us. Father, we come in line with your vision for everything that the word of God says. Jesus, we want to see it. Father, as we pray every day over this congregation, but I declare now that they have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, the eyes of their understanding being in light, that they know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. Simply put, they know who they are. Father, this congregation is full of people that know who they are, what they have and what they can do. And they're taking it out to this community. They're taking it out to those who don't know, who don't see, those who are sitting by the wayside blind as this man was and being the voice of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for giving us opportunities to help others to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Is that your testimony? I wanna help someone else to see. We can't help others if we can't see ourselves. Amen. If we don't know the fullness, religion doesn't offer religion doesn't offer what revelation offers. Religion religion will always offer an argument. 
It'll always offer an argument. Why you? Why this? Why that? Why that? It's always going to argue back. If you find yourself arguing with what you see in the Word of God, that's religion. Get in the Word. Get revelation. It's revelation that breaks that power of religion. This man, he said, I once was blind, but now I see. That's revelation. And when the religious leaders came and argued, you couldn't take away his revelation. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us. To learn more about World Harvest Church, please visit our website at defrainministries.org.